used a black private dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks. editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and we are podcasting from all over the west coast on wednesday january 20th 2016 uh a little after seven o'clock so as always any news uh, that happens after we record this we are not responsible for on this week's episode uh of course uh want to thank uh, introduce our man in los angeles a fabulous podcast announcer i'm nate costa and producing uh at home in the fabulous Brett Cave. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And we do have a special guest tonight, but first I do want to say, of course, if you are listening to us on iTunes, to please subscribe, to please rate us, to tell your friends, assuming you're enjoying this podcast, you can do the same on the Stitcher app, which is also available on fanboyplanet.com, where you can find a page for each and every one of our podcasts. And as well, while you're there, if you hear about something we talk about on this podcast that you would like to purchase for yourself, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, because we do want to support local small businesses, please use the Amazon app, that the Amazon box that is there on each and every page, and we get a tiny kickback from that, and as well as if you'd like to help pay for the hosting of this podcast and of Fanboy Planet itself, you can donate money on the PayPal app. And of course, if there's anything that uh, you are screaming at, you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. We've got some comics news, we've got some movie news, we've got some TV news, but first we have a very special guest tonight. I'm very, very grateful uh, that he could take some time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. That's uh, David F. Walker. David, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're good. I'm going to go down just for, for people listening. Uh, you've got coming up uh, the second of your Shaft miniseries. Yes. Power Man and Iron Fist. Yes. Nighthawk coming from Marvel, and you are wrapping up Cyborg at DC. So you are really busy. Uh, so 
Again, just a little, just a little, just a little, just a little. So, <laughs> and you've also, I mean, you're like kind of the Renaissance man because you came at comics from kind of a, a is it right, a filmmaking background. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, film and actually journalism. Believe it or not, it was. It's I've sort of become a jack of many trades, a master of like three maybe, you know, yeah, that's um, more than a lot of people get. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a very interesting, um, being me is very interesting. That's all I can really say. It's, uh, sometimes it's great. And other times it's like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> so, uh, and you came out, you've got a couple of series, uh, before this too. So I want to point people to it. You've written, this is a, a young adult novel. Yes. Super justice force. Yes. And did I see you post that there's a volume two coming soon? Uh, in theory, yeah, but I've been saying that for four years now. So oh, okay. um, I, I don't want anyone to hold me to that. That's um, I have my own little publishing imprint. And so I am my own boss when it comes to that. And, and I don't yell at myself too often. So um, it, it, it'll, it'll be here sooner rather than later. Okay. Well, let's talk about the people who will yell at you okay. um, with the deadlines. <laughs> I know uh, out of all this, you know, uh, Rick was one who had recommended to me um, Shaft before we knew that that we had a, a chance to talk to you. So, um, Rick, I know you've got a lot more background with with the character and, and, and understanding. So, I, you told me you had had a few things you you yeah. Throw I, at him. I read the whole series, and uh, I have not. I, well, David, your your series on Shaft was pretty much the origin story, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting when it's a character that wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider or comes from another planet, you know, uh, in another solar system. It's kind of weird calling it a, a origin story, but yeah, it's it's about how Shaft ends up becoming a private detective, and and he goes through. Uh, I mean. He's come back from war, from yep. Vietnam, and yep. he gets involved in a lot of uh, stuff. Um, goes through some pretty, uh, pretty awful things in his his uh, romantic life, yep. um, and comes out of it. I I took the take on that as that really was kind of the crucible that formed him into the closer, at least the the uh, the shaft that we uh, we get the uh, the picture of from the famous song. Um, yeah, it, it, exactly. And it's, you know, the, the the movie was based on a book. <clears throat> and even in the book, the character sort of arrives in this sort of fully formed um, iteration where he's already like the super badass and, and, you know, he's he's well known throughout the community. But within the book, which is something that the film leaves out, there's all these little bits and pieces that that Ernest Tidyman and the writer talks about and he's you know he mentions shaft's time in vietnam and how crucial it was in in shaping him and his time as a teenager as like the warlord and a street gang and all that sort of stuff and so that was a lot of what i brought into as i was developing um the the you know the comic story it was you know there's there's bits and pieces in the book where it talks about how shaft when he got back from the war didn't know what he was going to do and and so somehow he becomes a detective and and there's never any really reference to what his early cases were or any of that sort of thing and so that's what i decided to explore did you have to get someone's blessing to fill all that in 
Yeah, I mean, I I had a story in mind, and I when I reached out to the estate of Ernest Tidyman, you know, we talked briefly, but but um, his widow, Chris Clark Tidyman, and and the firm that rep- represents the estate, they were never like, oh, you have to do this. The, the things that they were really clear on were things like they didn't want the character to have a mustache. Those were some things that they were like really, really clear about because in the books he he never had a mustache and it was kind of a a bone of contention between the original author of the novels and the filmmakers. It was it's you know just one of those strange little things. Yeah, his uh, and of course on the covers he does the covers are all done more more along the lines of the film version of him, and yes. then we get the kind of the newer one, which which was smart marketing, of course. Yeah, but uh, so did Tidyman. Uh, I got the feeling, and I couldn't couldn't figure this out. Did Tidyman write a series of books, or yes, okay. There's there's seven books total, and <clears throat> excuse me, of the seven, he wrote, I believe, four of them, and then uh, plotted out the other three, and there was like a ghostwriter sort of filled in the blanks, and then he edited them and. Uh, it's, I, I, I can't remember the exact number. There's a book that just came out recently called the world of shaft by a guy named Stephen Adlis. And it gets into that. It, it, it sort of breaks down how each book was written and, and who the ghost writers were and what Tidyman's editorial process was. But yeah, so there were seven books that came out between 1970 and 75. And, um, and, Six of them were released domestically. The seventh was never released here in the U.S. Ah. Well, you you had an interesting um, promotion in the books in that you had a downloadable segment of your Shaft's Revenge novel that people could get with each issue. Yes. And I just noticed on Amazon that's going to be available in paperback next month. That's what they keep telling me. So, I, I, I you know, it's like... Um, I think it's coming out. I, I I honestly think it's coming out, which is is like the craziest thing to me. When well, I, I think it, about I just it. pre-ordered it, so you know. So so at some point it will be out. Then yes, you Good. you I, you I know as much as I do at this point. Excellent. They haven't told them otherwise. So exactly. you said you reached out because I'm not quite sure how Dynamite runs this because that came from the Dynamite imprint. Yeah. Did you reach out to the estate and then reach out to dynamite and say you wanted to do this or did they come to you because they got the rights to shaft? I reached out to the estate first and said, Hey, I really want to do this project. And the estate was like, that sounds like a great idea. This is the company that reps us, you know, have at it young man. And, um, and so from there I then went to dynamite and said, would you guys be interested in doing a Shaft comic? And they said, as a matter of fact, we've been talking about it, and you know, but we've been having trouble securing the rights. And I said, well, that's because um, you were probably <laughs> going after the film rights as opposed to the literary rights, because most people make the same mistake um, and assume that they don't realize that there was a series of books. And... Um, so yeah, and so that's that was sort of how it all came together between myself and Dynamite and the Tidyman Estate. I made all the introductions with the you know um, sort of the caveat, I guess that you could say that 
when and if this deal goes through, I get to write the um, mm-hmm. I get to write the the the, the, um, the comic, and it all came through. Great. And then you have another. Is it an ongoing, or is this a miniseries, or are you planning like a series of miniseries? It's uh, right now. It's just another miniseries. You know, I don't know what will happen after this one. It's a lot of it comes down to like sales, and it comes down to. Um, you know, a whole host of other factors, but I, I could keep writing this character for a really, really long time and would, would have no problem doing that whatsoever. So a lot of it just sort of comes down to, um, you know, what does Dynamite want? And, and, and more importantly, too, though, I guess I should say, I don't want to, like, hog the character all to myself. There's other writers I know that have expressed interest in, in working with him and... I'd be more than happy to step aside, and, and if my schedule doesn't permit, it doesn't permit. And, and, and more importantly, also, everything's more important, right? But, um, yeah. like, if, if I don't have a story to tell, I don't want to write the story. I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, it's uh, Shaft trying to figure out, uh, you know, mail fraud or something like that. Like, nobody <laughs> wants to do that, so. And, and your series, they're, they're still set in the 70s, so... Why? Why not update the characters? So many get brought up to to speed to the modern day, especially even in, in Dynamite when they get a pulp hero. Well, and okay, so this is the interesting thing: is that in the seventh book that Ernest Tideman wrote, um, Shaft gets killed, oh. and so so the character has a has a very finite lifespan, and the the big ongoing discussion has been. How would you bring him back from the grave? And and myself and like at least three other writers have all we all have our our, our own ideas, our own you know uh, takes on on what it would take to bring him back to life, and then by default get him into the eighties and then get him into the nineties. And you know by the eighties he would be well into his thirties, uh, and then by the nineties. Um, you know, if he was if he was alive right now in in 2016, he'd be. I guess he. If we follow the, the the chronological order that was sort of created originally with the character, I'm thinking he'd be pushing 70 because I think he was born in 1945 or 46. I, I actually have a timeline that that I created and put together based on everything that Tidyman had written. Um, so yeah, it, it, like I would love to write a story, especially set like in the the '80s at the beginning of the the crack epidemic, and then I also have one for the '90s, um, and I have an idea for how to bring him back from the dead too. So interesting. And from that work, or perhaps was just a good confluence that you ended up uh, working on DC's New Fifty Two version of Cyborg. Yep, it's uh, that that in and of itself has been sort of a uh, an interesting experiment too, because it's like, yeah, this is a character that's been around for forty, what forty six years, and oh has it been that long? Yeah, um, I'm gonna think. Wait, no, thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah, because me, it was my math is eighty when, yeah. when New Teen Titans came out. Yes. Yeah. 36 years. Don't make me older than I am, man. But I know. Like, <laughs> that's why I was, that's why I said it. 46. No, then no. I, that would have made me much older than I am too. So, um, but yeah, the character has been around for 36 years and has, you know, there's 
been a couple mini series and 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 things like that, but has never had his own ongoing title, and 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 hasn't had his own ongoing title since he was he was retconned within the New Fifty Two. So, um, you know, for thirty something years he was a member of the Teen Titans, but for the last like four or five years he's just been a member of the Justice League, and his that association with the Teen Titans doesn't actually exist right now. And current continuity yeah and you you also brought in with it um you know so you gave him a good solo spin and as i said before we started recording and i've said on the podcast before this is the first time that cyborg worked for me as a solo character but you did also bring in one of my favorite obscure teams the metal men yeah so so <laughs> i mean how much of that is you had this idea you know again you go to DC and say, or they say, we'd like you to write Cyborg and you get to come back with your ideas or, you know, bringing in something, something like the metal men being somewhat obscure and not really having much of a foothold yet in the new 52. Is that something from outside that they said, take the metal men and run with them? Well, you know, it's interesting. There was the metal men made an appearance in, um, in a couple issues of justice league within the new 52. And, um, while Jeff Jeff Johns, I, I mean, he's, I think he's written every issue of Justice League in the <laughs> New Fifty Two. So, yeah. um, but so there was there was like two or three issues where they appeared, and and I really liked what he had done with those characters, and and the sort of relationship that that was that he had established between them and Cyborg, which is that you know, like Cyborg is trying to be more human, and but the Metal Men sort of look at him like he's the like he's everything they wish they were, you know, um, because he is human, even though he's he's also part machine. And so I just really I liked that idea. And when I pitched was putting together the initial pitch, I said, you know, who are you know, who can I use? Who can I bring in as guest stars? And they were like, well, you know, who would you like to bring in? And I thought, you know, the metal men would be super cool to bring in because you know they they aren't necessarily as well known and they're not going to overshadow cyborg in his own book it's like if i had brought in superman or batman or aquaman within that the the first 6 issues then all it, it becomes by default just a spin off of the justice league and and the justice league makes an appearance in mm-hmm. cyborg's book and i was like if if he's going to have guest stars let's have it be guest stars who um readers would be really excited to see on the page. And so that's, that's how that happened. Cool. That, that, that worked for me. Um, and you're wrapping up that run right now, right? Or are yeah. you done? I've, I've, um, I've done the, the first six issues are, are done and the trade paperback comes out, I think in either February or March, I'm not sure. And then, um, issue seven comes out like next week Issue eight, issue nine, and I'm not sure what's happening beyond issue nine. That we're still, you know, we're figuring out some scheduling stuff and 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 some of those other just um, life things that can get in the way of, of making mm-hmm. comics. So we'll see we'll see what happens. But there's definitely going to be um, a, a minimum of nine issues total for me. Okay, cool. And then again, it spun off. You've got two first issues coming out. I'm I've lost track of the dates, but within the next couple of months, I believe. Right? Yeah. Um, Over at Marvel work. Yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist number one comes out 
next month really soon like like less than a month away it's i believe uh february 17th if if that's a wednesday whatever whatever wednesday it is, is around it is. the 17th okay it's sad that i know that instinctively <laughs> but yes yes that's a true comics fan spoken like a true comics fan um <laughs> So yeah, I th- that comes out on the seventeenth, and um, and we don't have a release date yet for Nighthawk. It's been a um, it's been sort of a slow build, and and a lot of that's my fault. Um, the, Nighthawk was in development before Power Man and Iron Fist, and then when Marvel came at me with Power Man and Iron Fist, the the decision was sort of made on everybody's part that I would I would focus my energy on that on getting that book right. And and so all the time and energy went into that, and and Nighthawk was on the back burner for a while, but we're we're on track now. I know that um, that there's an artist who I I can't say who it is because for whatever reason they they want to make a big announcement about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there is an artist on board. I know he's already started doing works. I've seen some of the the initial design work, and and we're hashing stuff out. So I'm imagining. You know, I always have trouble keeping track of, of how these solicitation things work. I'm imagining it's probably the first issue is going to hit either April or May because they're already soliciting stuff that's coming out in March, correct? Or March mm-hmm. and April? Yes. So, um, so maybe it's May or June. Um, yeah, it's probably. You know what? It's probably going to be May or June that the first okay. issue will drop. Um, because I do know that I'm like 99.9% sure that Nighthawk will not be involved in the summer's big Civil War II oh, um, yes. storyline that's that's coming out. And part of the reason, we, we actually had a discussion about that, and, and it was like the first issue was going to be coming out right around the time that Civil War II was breaking, and it didn't make sense to try to steer that story into the big event when the book itself hadn't launched yet. Now, David, you're the Nighthawk we're talking about is the Squadron Supreme version. The Squadron Supreme Supreme Power. Supreme Power. This, yeah, the Supreme yeah. Power Straczynski version of right. Nighthawk. Yes, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but it does get confusing. The Squadron Supreme. It does. So it all does. Now alternate. They're even alternate Earths to each other. So, um, but, but we'll, it's kind we'll, of cool that Marvel's waiting for you. That's good. There's, there's definitely a the the the, the supreme version we have now. Yeah. I'm not going to try and uh, is has an agenda. Yeah, and will he be past that by that point and be doing like totally solo stories, or is he still incorporated in the uh, the larger agenda? It's you know I'm I'm treating it the way a lot of other comics happen, you know, which is. You you could read a Captain America comic, and Captain America has his adventures, and then he's in the Avengers, and sometimes there's a little bit of crossover, but sometimes there's not that much. Same thing that happens in, say, a Superman comic. You know, Superman's a member of the Justice League. And so my whole thing was, like, I wanted to establish Nighthawk doing his own thing, and then as the story progressed, um, bring in members of the squadron supreme and like maybe to the extent that i what i'm hinting at with with marvel and what we're talking about is bringing them in and saying like hey you're kind of out of control you know 
like you're you're a little bit crazier than the rest of us, and we're absolutely nuts. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So they're saying that. that to him because I always thought he was the most rational bunch, rational of the bunch. Well, he was. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's not so much in Squadron Supreme right now. No. Um, okay. Yeah, but yeah, actually, squ- none of them are. <laughs> so. You're right. Yeah, they're all a little crazy right now yeah. in, in this new yeah. run that that um, uh, James Robin. I think it's James Robinson is writing yeah. it, and um, how, and so how, it's, it's what's that? No, go ahead. Go ahead. And so it's just it's interesting to me because I think that these characters, um, like I kept I, I kept saying, if these all these characters are like the sole survivors of their universe right it's there's this universe mm-hmm. shattering cataclysm that brought these these different heroes together like the writer in me is like these guys should just be in like a ptsd support group and nothing else you know um like i i don't think i would have it in me to be a crime fighter if i was the sole survivor of my universe so it's just kind of funny to me because i i think very differently um like I, I'm more into exploring the the totally screwed up human psyche, um, but they, you know, they want these guys being crazed crime fighters, which is, is it's cool with me. You know, I don't have a problem with it. How long before the Deadpool crossover? You know, that's a good question. I, it, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant to be sarcastic, <laughs> and then it's going to turn out. Oh no, that's issue two. Like no, I, I used to always appear in issue two. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, my the funny thing to me is that. Um, I I hate to admit this. I I've, I've never been that big of a Deadpool fan, and so, um, but knowing that Deadpool seems to make a, an appearance in just about every book at some point, um, it's like I've started reading the character more now, just so I, I can be prepared for when I get that memo that says, <laughs> "Yeah, it's time for Deadpool to make his appearance," and it's like, "Okay, here goes." Uh, well, you know, the last run's really good. Um, I, I'm not so this this uh, post Secret Wars relaunch. Uh, it, it wasn't. It's just not. It's not as good as the last run. It's, even though it's the same writer, it's just. Uh, Is that Duggan? Some really good stuff there. Jerry Duggan. Yeah, Jerry and Brian together. That yeah. The yeah, Spider Man. Funny Deadpool. to tragic. It's beautiful stuff. The Spider Man Deadpool was pretty good. The one that came out last week. Okay, so we're helping you with a, a geek's reading list of here you go. Here's the best. But you know. I, one of the things is, and I, I think part of the Deadpool push is, is of course, you know, there's a lot of, well, there's a movie coming out three days before uh, or five days before your uh, your first issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. And uh, Power Man and Iron Fist are also two characters now that have a lot of, for lack of a better term, mainstream attention because they're going to get Netflix series. Yeah. So first, how about, you know, what's your take on them making, because they always seem to be, to be written, especially in the pages of Deadpool, they got written this way as sort of existing awkwardly in the seventies, even though that defies all logic of, of time. Um, and I, I assume you, they are in 2016. So uh, what's your approach to them now and, and what's different and what attracted you to it? Well, I've been a big fan of those two characters since I was a kid. So, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to write them was something that I, I, I jumped at like, you know, like a starving dog on a pork chop or something. Um, you know, I'm writing them with this sort of nod to some of the 70s 
stuff and and even the the early 80s cuz their their book they were together from 78 to like 86 if i remember correctly um but it's it's contemporary and and the thing that's really interesting is that um like i just did a promotional piece for marvel where they were like asking me you know what are my favorite you know power man and iron fist both collectively and solo um moments and i was like well a lot of my favorite Luke Cage stuff is all fairly recent. It's, you know, um, him becoming a father, him getting married, him becoming the leader of the Avengers, you, you, you name it. Like, that character has grown so much. And so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm treating these characters as if, you know, as if they have grown up quite a bit. You know, it's, it's interesting because you have these two characters that are, like, best friends. They're, they're practically like brothers – but now, you know, there's this, you know, not not necessarily divide, but, you know, Luke has got a wife and a kid, and that's always going to be more important to him than um, than his crime fighting career. And and so it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, Iron Fist is like, hey, let's go beat up the bad guys. And, you know, you know, Luke is like, no, tonight's date night. You know, <laughs> I, I'm spending time <laughs> with the kids, you know, so um, those are some of the things that I'm. I'm playing with with those two characters and 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 really exploring because the other thing that's really interesting is that when you look at um, you know the history of superheroes, the history of Marvel characters, a lot of the strongest relationships that we see were were already formed like as the book started. So you know an example would be within the Fantastic Four, like the relationship between the Fantastic Four already existed. When that first issue came out, um, yeah. but but Power Man and Iron Fist, those were two characters that we actually saw them come together. You know, issue forty eight of of Power Man was the first time they meet. Issue forty nine is the second part of the story, and then and issue fifty of Power Man becomes Power Man and Iron Fist, and we've watched these two characters go through an incredible amount of changes that. Um, and some of those changes have really, really stuck. Like, again, like Luke marrying Jessica Jones and having a baby with her have, have become so integral to who that character is. They they weren't just gimmicks. They they lasted that um, that if you follow that character for any amount of time, you realize, like, this is a character that's really grown in a lot of ways. Because a lot of times the, the things that they do to these characters, have them get married or whatever – it doesn't stick or like, you know, some villain comes away and wipes away their memory and then it's all gone and, and it's been retconned. But with Luke, especially it's, it's, um, it's all stuck. Yeah. And you're, and I've seen some of the, well, we ran some of the preview art and even the approach, uh, costume wise seems more realistic. It looks like iron fist is in a track suit yeah. and, and Luke is in a suit. Yeah. Uh, you know, so um, you're are you, you're keeping it really street level, uh, trying to make it more like you could meet these guys. Yeah, they're 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 very street level, and you know, there's there we're we're going to get to a point where um, Iron Fist is going to be saying to Luke, you know, you really need a costume, and Luke is like, I, I don't want a costume, and and you know, he Luke doesn't even want to go by Power Man anymore. He just wants to be Luke Cage. So it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic is as they're sort of getting back into um this this 
concept of being a team uh, for the first time in, in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And again, with like uh, Luke Cage just appeared on Jessica Jones, and we'll assume that those Netflix series will, uh, we hope, move forward in that same direction. Are there any mandates that come from Marvel about just guiding to make sure they seem consistent with? Exactly. No. Kind of oh no. Okay. Good. Yeah. You know they they've actually been super cool. They they've there's there has not been any sort of um, you know you absolutely must do this or you can't do that you know and and for me what's in, you know everybody has been the big question everyone's been asking me is like you know well now that you know the Jessica Jones show is is on how is that impacting your your take on Luke Cage and and my response is well first of all. I was already well into writing the series before I'd seen the first episode of Jessica Jones. And, you know, Luke, Mike Coulter appears on, I think, five episodes, I think, total, mm-hmm. maybe six. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the character of Luke Cage has been around since 1972. <clears throat> so we've got 40 plus years of history to draw from versus a couple hours worth of television. And, and the comics is where I'm at. You know, the comics is where I'm, I'm drawing most of my inspiration. I love the show. I love Jessica Jones. I love Mike Coulter. I'm like, no one is looking forward to this show more than I am. Not even not even Mike Coulter's family is looking forward to the show <laughs> more than more than I am. Um, but, you know, it's I, I can't worry about that. It's the same thing with Cyborg when people were asking me, you know, well, they say they're making a Cyborg movie. Are you concerned about that? And it's like, nope. Because I write comics, you know. If 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 someone wants to hire me to work on a TV show or work on a movie, that's great. Then I'll I'll shift my priorities. But right now, my only concern is writing the best comics that I can possibly write. All right, great. Well, and we look forward to you all that come. So thank you very much for taking the time tonight. And uh, and so that's again February seventeenth is Power Man and Iron Fist and. Sometime in May, April, May, or June, yeah. we Nighthawk, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, maybe when that becomes a little more concrete, we can have you back on and talk a little more solidly about that as it's gotten closer to what's happening with the Marvel Universe. So, thanks so much, David. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. All right. We have some, as I said earlier, comics news, movie news, TV news. Let's start with comics. Um, and since we're sort of on a by talking to David Walker, we have uh, the publisher Dynamite with Shaft. We've got a bit of a Dynamite theme because they announced some interesting projects today. Um, first off, the Gold Key Alliance, which is almost an awkward superhero team name, but uh, Dynamite announced that they are publishing uh, in February, or actually I, I've heard possibly that it's actually April, but uh, Bleeding Cool reported this February. A team-up book with Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, Magnus, Robot Fighter, Solar, Man of the Atom, and the Mighty Samson coming together. Uh, and they're all in kind of, and it says uh, they're each wrestling with the perils of the 21st century. I don't remember the Mighty Samson at all. Rick, do you yeah, remember that he's, one? Yeah, he's basically uh, a Hercules-style barbarian in a, an apocalyptic future. Oh, so he's a future one. I'm pretty okay. sure he's future. I can check that out and see if I've just totally made that up. It does sound awesome. If it isn't that way, I'm going to write it. <laughs> well, 
Well, I think, and Turok has been both ways too. Wasn't somebody made? I think Valiant when uh, Turok in the Turok got turned into a uh, a uh, much more superhero-y uh, guy when he got he got his own video game <laughs> from Acclaim. Yes. Um, okay, so I think there was some far future stuff time for Turok as well. Uh, Magnus Quartz was uh, future. Solar was present day. The most, I guess, straightforward superhero book that Gold Key had. Yeah, I, I found uh, I found a a Mighty Samson cover with him fly, fighting fighting a giant moth, and it says giant moths spread their fearsome wings over New York. N apostrophe York, Y A R K. So yeah, it is as I recalled. He's a uh, fighting mutants in the future. Yes, and DC had their Hercules Unchained had a similar yeah it did idea too, but that came second. So. Mighty much, Samson was first. Much, much second. Phil Hester is writing, and uh, the artist, which honestly, I don't know if I'm familiar with the guy's work, Brent Peoples, uh, who did the Legendary, which you were, uh, you did the Green Hornet solo book, that I know you were buying some of the Legendary. I bought the first arc that had all the main characters in the It was like interconnected individual yeah, series. A team book, yeah. And they're also, uh, they're bringing back Xena, Warrior Princess, so they got the license for that. Uh, and the cover art that they've released does look like Lucy Lawless, so they seem to have a likeness right. Um, and an interesting crossover that I'm not sure how it's going to work is the shadow in the Twilight Zone. Interesting. I know, I kind of feel like, let's just let that sit for a moment. That is confirmed is coming out in April, and uh, it is written... Uh, by our friend David Avalone and uh, with art by Dave Acosta. And uh, so I'm going to try to get David on. Um, I'm actually going to uh, talk to him tomorrow a little bit more about the book. So we're sure that's, that's the shadow in the Twilight Zone or the shadow? Yes. Could it be a book with It's shadow shared? slash Twilight Zone. Interesting. It is officially two, con- two IPs crossing over. Um and I'm just not sure how you would do that, you know, with the Twilight Zone. When to me, the Shadow already is sort of. Yeah, you kind of. I can Twilight Zone. <laughs> my knee jerk reaction well, then it's is a to, perfect crossover. No, my knee jerk oh. reaction is to make like the Shadow the um, Phantom Stranger for the Twilight Zone. <laughs> or Rob Serling has turned to fighting crime. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so once again, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of crossover books, which is what they do. Um, so uh, we look forward to those. Uh, Faith number one. We talked about Faith a, f- a couple of months ago being a kind of a real, you know, I'd say uh, she's an overweight teen girl. She might not be a teen anymore in the in the Arbinger book, uh, but definitely, um, you know, a good inclusive kind of portrayal of a, a different body type and being a hero. It is already sold out before it's released next week. Wow. But but uh, they're doing a second printing and they're sending it out with the first printing. Huh. I think it's a publicity stunt there to say like they could have just called it all first printing but this way they sort of get to say you get an extra headline instead of we have to publish more. It's like oh it's going back to second print and we're sending out. But it's actually good that if you know with the attention that's being paid to faith uh retailers can let me see if i get this straight whatever their order was initial order of is of the first printing uh 
Valiant is going to let them have, they can order, uh, they can get for free 50% of their, of their first printing order in second printings. Okay, that's confusing. Well, if they ordered 50, and they got right. 50 first printings, they can get 25 second printings for free. Oh, no, I can do the math. I'm just saying that from the standpoint of somebody going in there to buy, buy the book. But, you know, <laughs> Which one did I get? I understand. I, I was doing it fast for those at home because I was proud I could do the math myself. But uh, <laughs> it does seem odd. And yet, again, it's like, that's good. There are people that just, you know, if the hype become, you know, penetrates next week and people are going, oh, okay, you know, do you have this faith? Do you want to check it out? There it is, I guess. So, you know, uh, printings used to matter more. I mean, first printing, second printing, all this stuff is really kind of abstract in our digital world because it used to be that when they used plates to print pages, the first printing was at a higher quality than the successive ones because the plates would wear. And it's not true anymore. It's not, not at all true anymore. So you're, you're right. They, if they're all coming out on the same day and they're from the, a print run, a print run doesn't necessarily all run off on the same, in the same hour, much less the same day. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, I mean, you know, the reality of, um, you say, digital printing anyway, is like, well, it's unlimited if it's a digital comic. And I, I, I suspect, you know, I, I'm always curious as to, like, what, in books that have come out in the last two or three years, or maybe even go back five years, what's the value? Other than, I guess, if you have it graded and slapped, if it's a popular book, having a first printing in that sense might make make a difference. But, you know, the last time I've checked, your quarter bins are full of a lot of recent stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't know what's hit, other than Walking Dead, say, for being so, because nobody knew what that book was when it first came out. Um, Those yeah. are, That's when it matters, when it's when it's a surprise and they, or they weren't able yeah. to fill, actually fill orders on, on the first day it was out. That's, that's. Again, it's abstract, but it, it's it's that's when it would matter more than yeah. we just had to print yeah. more for the initial run, and that's going to happen in a couple of months or weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I that's uh, I wanted to focus mostly on on, on David tonight and his upcoming Collins work. So that's where the news is, uh, and even what's in the bag is woefully. For me, I went and I bought three things because those were the only things that I knew for sure weren't being held for me at Elusive Comics. I'm down in L.A. this week, and so went to Earth 2. But they're just things like, uh, you know, uh, Lucifer and little one-off things like that. So I, I think got, that the only one who can play what's in the bag is Rick. Well, and I read mine, too. Well, good oh for my. you. Oh, my. So, <laughs> George Takei is on. Um, Nate Takei, George's younger brother. So, um, my first book, I'm so excited. It's a number one, and it's Silver Surfer, just as if the other book had never finished. They just right into the same storyline. Of course. Same team, too. Same team, same plot line, same characters, uh, same crazy goodness, and uh, without spoiling anything, um, they're, they're... Going back to Earth, that was kind of already established, um, but they're going back in a way that's going to be very familiar to, let's say, uh, Fantastic Four issues at around 50. Um, 
<laughs> and and uh, but part of the plot line of this episode had to do with um, all the creative properties, all the protagonists in literature having been stolen from Earth by aliens, and then manifesting themselves into people that that uh, the Surfer and Dawn had to fight, or rather convinced not to fight, or rather just conclude the the episode. But it but really. What's this is one of those sweet episodes where you're looking at these characters and they're alienized versions of characters and you have to pick out which one, um, which one's which, and you will both find favorites of your own in this issue. Now, a fair question: Would you consider it a good jumping on point? Yes. If you say it's continuing, you know, because that's my biggest concern when we recommend a book like this is, okay, there were like twelve issues that were fun. Uh, you know, before, or 18, I think, actually, uh, before Secret War destroyed the Earth. It's, uh, it's, as, you know. it's as easy a jumping on point as as you're going to find in a book t- these days because it's not complex. There's not a complex relationship going on here. You've got a girl from Earth riding around on, on the surfer's uh, surfboard with him. And that's all we need. That's it. And, and, and she's, a girl and her surfer. Yeah. yeah. What's they, next in your bag? They explain everything else. Uh, the next one in my bag. Um, ah. I'm doing this off the digital issues. Uh, and I don't want to say I want purchase date. There we go. And. The second one in my my bag is uh, Star Lord issue number three, and I don't think that we've talked about this this relaunch of the. I don't think we have. No. All the all all the characters, the main characters, I think maybe not Gamora, uh, have been doing um, solo books. Star Lord's solo book is an origin book because it goes back to when he was abducted by the the uh, pirates. And it's his adventures with, uh, what's that character's name? Uh, Yondu. Is it Yondu? Yondu. His adventures. They retconned Yondu back into the 21st century? Well, there are two Yondus in the, apparently it's a common name out out in outer space. (laughs) With, for blue aliens. For blue aliens with, his is kind of a severed mohawk, but yeah. Yes. Um, this is a fun book. Uh, we we have a gawky, not quite yet uh, self uh, self absorbed, and not quite yet um, feeling cocky. Uh, Star Lord um, Peter Quill is still a young boy, and he is uh, he's actually going through a lot of the same stuff that Cyclops did when he went off with his father father. <laughs> in outer space uh, on his well. so it feels very similar but it is totally a, it's it's a totally different story um uh, and i'm enjoying the heck out of it okay so. and lastly in your book in your bag the last one in my bag is going to be star wars issue 15 and this is the first star wars issue following the uh vader down storyline and what we've got here is uh, a found journal from Obi-Wan Kenobi of his adventures on Tatooine after he had sequestered Luke away. So it has, it's one of those, 
I don't know if there's a, a metaphor or a, a storyline where you have characters that eventually will meet, but you have to keep them as separate, but they will continue to affect each other in there the story. There must be a literary term for that. I, I, I'm sure there is. If not, we'll have to see if we can compose one. But you've definitely got that going on because you see young Luke and his buddies uh, racing in Beggar's Canyon and Obi-Wan off in the distance with binoculars saying, use oh, the force, the Luke. Gildenstern are dead effect. Huh? It's the Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead effect. Ah, okay, good. So, got, oh, How about the Lion King one and a half effect? <laughs> I didn't see Lion King one and a half. It's Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead for okay. the Lion King. I think we go back no. to the original. <laughs> so you've definitely got that going on, at least for part of the book. Um and it's good. I, I'm I'm happy to have this uh, this set of stories filled in for me. Well, it's interesting. I, I think a topic for a later podcast on comics, especially maybe a, a Star Wars focused one, is this problem. I'm, I'm I shouldn't say a problem because we're enjoying all these books. But now that you're saying Disney has this sort of blank slate to fill in canon like this. And so it is kind of interesting because, you know, there's rumors they're going to do a, an Obi-Wan trilogy. Uh, you know, and, and so if Marvel's going to do this, is that, you know, is that messing up some cinematic plan? Or do you think Disney's going to wave a wand later? Because they announced today, although I think it had already been uh, rumored that um, they were going to do, uh, or leaked, I should say, not rumored. It was, you know, the artist sitting and said it, that they're going to do a Poe Dameron book. Yeah. Set before Force Awakens. Yeah. And so, you know, there's the question is how much arc, how much character can you build when you've got a film director already hurriedly rewriting, by all accounts, a screenplay to <laughs> account for the greater popularity of Poe? And, you know, how much do you fill in? How much do you take away? And how much does it matter? I don't know. But I, I do want to move on, but it's an interesting question uh, for a later, later conversation because. Uh, well, I'm going to stay on Star Wars, and then in movies, Star Wars, uh, Disney disappointed traditionalists of Star Wars, traditionalist fans, by saying Me. that they, uh, Arya, that in 2017, after promising us that, that, that December 18th, 2015, Force Awakens, that was a special reason to uh, open Star Wars in December rather than the traditional May date, uh, and that they, well, Rogue One was going to open next December, but that's just because you, you know, put those two close together. Uh, but the Memorial Day weekend opening, I guess, May 25th of, of the episode eight, which is yet untitled, has been moved to December uh, 16th, I believe, of 2017. So for the foreseeable future, Disney has moved Star Wars to December instead of the traditional May. And it's clearly broken up Nate among many other fans. I'm not broken up about it, but I was looking forward to a, you know, a summer movie, not a winter movie. Not okay. that the winter ruined this film. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. It's like, okay. It's not uh, like well, we aren't you... going to be having enough movies over the next couple of years to... Oh my God! Well, if you saw what uh, you know, we, we, we had up there um, that uh, that these that they move things around. So as a result, and it's actually going to be interesting because I think people are. I'm not a huge fan, honestly, of this idea that that you put these release dates into place. 
and then you then you got to hurriedly make the movie to make the release date. But uh, and Ryan Johnson was kind of being rushed into. They're going to start filming in the next couple of weeks of episode eight, and then he would have to, had to rush to get it to, to May. He's got a little more breathing room. But this also means that Disney has now shifted Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales to the May 26th slot that had been originally there for Star Wars, uh, which means, as, as Rick just said, there's plenty of stuff coming. You've got uh, May 5th, 2017, we'll have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, three weeks later, Pirates. Uh, then in June, not that I'm super stoked about it, there's Cars 3 coming. And then, in response, Sony moved up the release date of whatever they're going to call the Spider-Man movie to July They're going to call 7. it Fantastic Four. They're just going to ruin both of them. Fantastic Four, uh, mysteriously, has quietly dropped off of the Fox release schedule. Yes. What? Yes. I know. Who, who would have thunk it? Um, Is it because the first one was terrible? That's, that couldn't be it at all. Um... I really can't wait for it to be on premium cable while I still have premium cable for the same price as less than premium cable. It's just because I want to watch it but not give them money. I think it's on Netflix. I think it did just come on Netflix, but I don't know if... Do you have Netflix? Oh, no. I do. I do have Netflix. It's either on Netflix or it's on Amazon Prime. I don't have Amazon Prime. I do have Netflix. I mean, I can get it on demand, but I don't want to pay. No, no, no. It'll, it'll, it just give it some time. It's going to show up on the Netflix. You know, you want to watch this channel. I understand um, it's going to open for Mystery Science Theater when it comes back. You know, that is the only way that I would watch that again. I, I mean, not not Mystery Science Theater. I would re. I would. The only way I would watch Fantastic Four again. Would yeah, be if they were mystery. riffing on it. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, who needs it? We've ripped enough. Um, so, uh, it's kind of interesting. Anyway, so there's been a lot of shuffling. Uh, it turns out that now Star Fantastic Wars is- Four is unavailable to stream. It's available on DVD only. <laughs> I on just, Netflix. There is something appropriate about that, and I don't... It's like, oh no, we're going to make you work to see this film. <laughs> because we want you to care somewhat. You know, no one will. Um... Meanwhile, back at the Netflix offices, they're using the DVDs as coasters. No, I can just see the uh, the <laughs> Netflix guys who undo the envelopes when they come back. And is that another shattered one? Yeah, it's another shattered one. Yeah, or, <laughs> hey, hey, the the leg of this table is short. You got a stack of those Fantastic Four DVDs. Um, <laughs> so, it's rated anyway. two and a quarter stars on on Netflix. That's who that's one two? that's that's two too many stars. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Uh, but anyway, the Star Wars move uh, is going head-to-head now with Ready Player One. So I think that's going to move. Uh, and and apparently, I didn't even realize this was being made, the $6 million man is supposed to open in December 2017. Wow. I, I didn't know that they had finally gotten a version off the ground. So he's like a professional football player who had knee surgery? I think that's pretty much all it is, yeah. it's uh, that, That's all. Um this is, again, why I think they've announced a project, but I don't think anybody's been cast. I don't think they've done anything with it. They've just said, this is the slot for our $6 million man remake. Huh. And then there's nothing in place. Yeah. And perhaps someday I can get uh, a friend of mine who worked on one of the attempts before to actually talk about it. I, it 
may still be too painful. If they were um, smart, they would go back to <laughs> the original name from the Martin Caden book, which was Cyborg. Cyborg. Except they can't because there's another movie coming out called Cyborg, Rick. Oh, we just talked about it. Yeah, but they've got uh, they they that one came out or before that the novel came out before the comic. No, I understand that, Rick. But there's a trademark law. Warner Brothers has the trademark on that. Hmm. Why it's called Cyborg Man? I call it Martin, Cyborg Man. <laughs> Martin Caden's Cyborg. Because that's going to make the difference for people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the title people know is Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's be in Brothers. That could be the longest title, <laughs> movie title. Martin Caden Cyborg. Parentheses. The Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Asterisk. Rated for Adjusted inflation. For inflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have something there. Get on that with your Photoshop skills for movie poster. We'll do. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so I think Ready Player One's going to move. But uh, the big, big thing with the movie coming out in just a few weeks, I guess three weeks away, right? Uh, Deadpool has officially been banned in China. Awesome. Wow. Because all movies, all American movies that are released in China, well, I guess all movies, they have no rating system. So all oh. films have to be appropriate for all ages. Wow. And there is no way to edit Deadpool down. <laughs> Did you hear that there was a... Uh... What do they consider appropriate for all ages? Because I've seen some Chinese movies that are not appropriate for all ages. If it's a historical novel... Uh, or uh, historical story right. adaptation, it, they're fine with it. They allow it for historical fiction and, and historical nonfiction, I assume. Uh, what, uh, yeah, uh, that, that uh, I also think there is that sort of, you do have to accept, Nate, that culturally they may allow a wider berth, but Deadpool is still way outside that. And I think what Rick was about to say is they did a test. I, I don't think it was a full. It was rough, a rough cut, rough footage of it uh, last night or the night before in L.A. and New York. And people are going nuts over it, the people that got to see it, uh, and said that it's the best superhero movie ever made. There, now, was, there was a woman who, who started a petition because her, her 12-year-old son wants to yes. see it. And so she wanted them to cut it to PG so her son could see it. PG-13. Yeah. PG-13. Well, my son wants to see it. And my son's statement to me was, just this last weekend, Dad, tell me how it is when you see it, and then tell me when I'll be old enough. (laughs) And, I mean, there. I'm sorry. That's the response. That's the proper response. Derek. Not everything. That's because you're a good parent. Yeah, but there your are son a lot of bad mature enough there. to realize. I'm not judging myself, and I would say, look, his mother deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, for 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 the for the person he is. I'm not going to take that away. You know, but and I'm not going to say that that woman is a bad parent either. But it's a person who is, and we've talked about this, I think, somewhat before. She's misunderstanding the character, right, and not going deep. And 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 I'll, I'll say something with it. I, I saw that, and I was like, and I I thought. Uh, the Deadpool response on Twitter was horrific and hilarious. Yes. Um, and we cannot repeat it here. No. But at the same time, I understand where she's coming from because this weekend on Ultimate Spider-Man, the animated series on Disney XD, 
the guest star is Deadpool. So if you don't know, if you never read the comic, yeah, and all you're seeing is the Hot Topic merchandise, and he's showing up on the animated series, which is appropriate for your 12-year-old. Yeah, that's problematic. Yeah, you know, but and t- and by the same... Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. <laughs> by the same token, uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason used to show up in... The Ice Follies, I know. Quote, it was weird. lighter uh, forms. Scooby-Doo? But parents and kids knew... My kids shouldn't watch that movie. And kids that did see it either A, snuck into a theater, or B, waited for it to come out on VHS and went to their friend's house whose parents were a lot more liberal with what they were allowed their kids to watch. And or C, grow up to be serial killers. Or, or, or. That's a fallacy. Okay. <laughs> okay, one only the, one or two. The people. first movie, one of my best friends, the first movie he remembers seeing in the drive in was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he was around. Between two and four years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's not a serial killer. Is he vegan now? He's not vegan. <laughs> Which is not the next step, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it would put him off meat. Uh, right. That's probably true. Uh, you know, actually, I, little, little, I push my glasses up. Less than six ounces of actual fake blood in that entire film. Which one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Well, they don't do a lot of on-screen... No, it actually isn't. Mostly just torture. (laughs) I don't remember. I was surprised at how excruciatingly tense it was when I finally saw it without actually having... But anyway, yes, I understand the Deadpool thing, and and I'm saying it's... But I would also agree, she needs to see, you know, one, not all entertainment has to be for all, and we've reached this point. Exactly. Not all comic book adaptations need to be appropriate Right. For all ages, because Deadpool is not a hero. He can fit in that world. He can team up with Spider-Man, and it can be funny, and maybe skirt the edge a little bit. But the other thing I'd say is, you know, and, I, and I, not having seen it, but I would say that once I do see it, I'm going to judge and say, okay, you know, what is it that makes it the R? And and my son and I might talk about it and say, okay, is it a year from now we get to see it? Maybe on video you get to watch it. Because I know he's gotten to watch he, for exactly the reasons Nate said. Well, I mean, I know he's watched things over at other people's houses, or he's been in the room while his older sister are watching things, and so he knows he knows things. Uh, he's been exposed to stuff that I that I didn't expose him to. That it's like, and he's handled it. So I don't know. And you got to judge your own kid's maturity yeah. too. There's nothing that says you can't take your kid to an R-rated film. It's supposed to be you're not admitted without your parent or guardian. Well, again. Let's look back at what it means. PG-13 means parental guidance 13, which means the parent has to, in a perfect world, the parent watches the film first and decides if it's appropriate for their child to watch. For Actually, the way it's phrased, watch. Rick, is parent parental guidance suggested. suggested. PG-13, parent strongly cautioned, and PG is parental guidance suggested? Yes, parent strongly cautioned. Yeah. But that's still, it's still free, you know, the kid can still get in without a parent. But the right. parent is R supposed rating, to make the call. They have to have the parents with them. And it's still, all those levels, it's still the parents should be making the call. Don't let the MPAA make your decision for you. 
Right. Exactly. It's an advisement, not a restriction. Right. Right. And then we've added in all these reasons why they have the rating, and it's gotten a little silly. But I want to move on because we go from that greatest uh, Marvel movie ever, allegedly, Deadpool, to, um, I don't know if this is true, you know, but last night, it, it's Merge of TV, there was a special on the CW, the dawn of the Justice League. Yes. Which is, I believe, Rick pointed out earlier this week. Oh, they finally figured out the title that sh- the movie should have been? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, that's, I mean, I know that's what Dawn of Justice was anyway. But, it was uh, right there. It's right there. Um, we got to see the first look at Wonder Woman, the first footage of the solo Wonder Woman film with a, a quick shot of Chris Pine. Um, I think an interesting take by putting it in World War One, even though that's not where the comics came from. Right. You know, but I think, all right, if you're going to do something different, my only problem is, you know, it's like, don't be doing stuff differently just for the sake of doing it differently. You know, I hope there's a reason. I hope there's a logical story to it. And there may be. I, you want to know what know. I think the reason is? That we have far too many heroes, modern day heroes, that had their roots in World War Two. And Captain and, America, and saying World War One is that much further away, so it gives her, it actually gives her a timelessness that other heroes don't have who were World War Two. Well, and that's a good point. It's also the first time I've ever heard Gal Gadot speak. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that she gets to keep that accent because it makes Wonder Woman exotic. It makes her seem like she is the character out of time. Yeah, I. Uh, um, I recently binged all the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I forget that she's why. In and please, did Nate, you don't, include don't Tokyo question. Drift? I did. I like Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I like Tokyo Drift, but and they brought Tokyo Drift back in in the last movie. But they brought Tokyo Drift back in in the last movie. But every time oh, she okay. was on the screen, she is really a presence, and I was. Totally, by the time I'd gotten through all the films, aside from being tired, I was totally bought into the fact that she could play Wonder Woman. No, not a not a doubt. You know, this is one of those moments, though, that we do have to say again, Rick, it's time for you to go back to work. Shave, when you say... Get, to, get out of the bathrobe. <laughs> when you've binged through seven Fast and Furious movies, it's time to go. Was six. this a 21 straight hour binge? No, like, no, no. This was, back over, back? This, this was over three days. Okay. Nate, that really doesn't make it much better. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, I I'm not say, seeing her performance as anything else. But I've never had a problem with it's a choice. I think anybody who says like you know they have to be she has to be overly muscular, no, because part of you know, right, part of Wonder Woman's power is just like, you know, Superman really shouldn't be overly muscular either because he's solar powered. He's not. He's from Kansas, though. Right. He could be. And he could Kansas, look like a. Kind of he could be a stick person. Rangy. He worked on the farm even before his powers. Right, and that's originally um, when Kansas, Yeah, but but there, but it's a different. It's a lean. It's a leader. The person that she wanted to cast when Kevin Smith was, was writing the screenplay was Jim Caviezel oh. from Person of Interest. Yeah. And because they said. Western farmer, they're either, they're either like lean and rigid like that, or they're pretty nasty. And neither one is the bodybuilder, you know. So, but anyway, I, I, I like her. I've always liked her as a choice. 
uh, it didn't bring up last night, but it's come up that Amber Heard, I don't know if she's his wife, but uh, she was in Drive Angry, that's the only movie I've seen her in, uh, great movie by the way, uh, is in talks to play Mira in the Aquaman solo film. Huh. I think they showed Jason Momoa a little bit last night yeah. and his enthusiasm for the character, and I'm for it. Again, do a redesign. Again, you know, if, uh, they're clearly pushing for the idea, which I guess works, uh, you know, is that these this is the modern pantheon, and they're really playing up that idea. You know, Aquaman is Poseidon, but I like that Jason Momoa brought up the he's the one who's half-human. Yes. And he really knows the character. That may not be the character who was written, but he knows Aquaman. And so I was impressed by that. Um, and then we got to see the Suicide Squad trailer. So let's talk about that Suicide Squad trailer that actually, I don't know if the movie's going to be any good, but that's one of the best put-together trailers as, as a piece of art in itself that I've seen. The the Queen song over it was, was inspired. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Yeah. And as I, I mentioned on Facebook, I was totally impressed by the sound editing in it because of oh yeah when they they had the uh, the rapid fire uh, shooting and the shell casings hitting the ground in time with the points of the music was just uh, I just and it's not just the shell casings it's oh no the helicopter yeah the sound of the rotors match it yeah and. As I say, the movie can't do that because you can't just play Bohemian Rhapsody over and over and over throughout the movie. But uh, you know, I it's still it was impressive editing. So that's why I don't know if it's going to. Uh, hopefully, if the that's, movie itself will look that good. Hopefully, but that's the, the editor who did the film and not just somebody that from. No, it's it's never the same person. Damn, I it, it's it, and it's like I'm going. This is some music video editor who who knows how to do this fast. Stuff. And, and could be, yeah. But they, they trailers are edited by somebody else. It's yeah. always a different department. I, I, I finally totally bought into this characterization of Harley Quinn. I had been having a lot of trouble with it before, but the scenes that they showed me last night with more dialogue and more interaction. Um, I, I, I mean, we've had so many Harley Quinn. This is just another one, and it still has a lot of the same essence of the character. Everything she from, has the attitude. Yeah. But she can't do, you know, if she did, she was in a difficult position because Ar- Arlene Sorkin, who's yeah. voiced pretty much every incarnation uh, video game and television of Harley Quinn, um, if she'd done Arlene Sorkin's voice, everybody would have been comparing it. So she had to create her own version. You know, so as long as the attitude's consistent, I'm with you. I, I, it clicked last night and I went, yeah, she's just not going to be that, oh, Mr. J kind of thing. Yeah. She's just going to, she's going to be a girl with an attitude and a little crazy. And I love that line about that. I'm just kidding. That's not what the voice said. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, that's Harley Quinn. So clearly the scripting has made it, you know, and, uh, I like it, you know, I, I like the look of every character and, She's got the baseball uh, bat, and she's like pumping it like it's a shotgun and stuff. Yeah, I oh. I, I was impressed by the trailer. The Again, was- trailer made the movie look like it's going to actually be good, and which, it made it look like it's going to be better than Batman v Superman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I when those yeah. two movies right now, if you just look at the two movies, 
and look at the cast and say, okay, which one of these is going to be better? I would definitely pick Batman v Superman, hands down, because like they're shoving way too many people into Suicide Squad. Yeah, but like I would never have picked Will Smith for Dead Deadshot. Right, but well, yeah, that was a great choice from the get-go. But it's a really good choice. Yeah, and uh, by the way, not mentioned there, but Ben Affleck is in Suicide Squad too. Yeah, yeah. there's a scene with him in the Batmobile and Harley Quinn's on top. Yeah. Yeah. So we just sort of remind people. And then it looks like we're going to see Harley. I watched the trailer a few times. Harley Quinn's origin, like a baptism ah, okay. from the Joker. Unless it's a dream sequence, which is entirely possible as well. Still find but, a way to uh, do an origin. What? Still find a way to do an origin. Who's who's playing uh, Killer Croc? It's, uh, I can't pronounce his name. Okay. Um, he was uh, at a BC on Oz, and he was in Lost, but I didn't watch Lost long enough to know. Oh, was he um, Mr. Echo in Lost? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know. Under I know. a lot of makeup. And he was in um, Thor Roman Dark World, too. No, that's not it. Um, great actor. Great actor. Yeah, no, that was another one where the makeup and his acting all came together. Yeah. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm pleased with the trailer, at least, so... There's there's high hopes. I you know they also showed uh, the kid playing the Flash. Adewale Akinoyu Agbaje. Bless you. I'm not sure if that's right, but I mean I'm sure the name that <laughs> you've got the right actor. His I first name is Adewale. How okay. about that? Adewale. Okay. How about that? Um, <laughs> he is a great actor. He's a great actor, but uh, I've never heard his name said out loud. So. Um, they showed the guy Ezra Miller, who's playing uh, Barry Allen, for the fi- for the film version. Um, I, I still can't quite get into it, but that's just because I'm so enamored of Grant Gustin and the TV. You version. know who else is in it? Who? Ike Barinholtz. Yes, as an unnamed cast member. He'll be Hal Jordan. He's a secret. Maybe he's Robin. Ooh, that would make no sense. None at all. Um, it could be Nightwing. Ooh, maybe. Let's transition, shall we? Since we're still on DC properties and the specials that were on last night. Legends of Tomorrow. First, I want to uh, make Rick's heart sore. I think they cast a very good actor as Jonah Hex for episode 11. Jonathan Shake who was in That Thing You Do and played Houdini for TNT. He's a, he's a really, really good actor, handsome guy with a dark, dark kind of mean mean edge to him. And uh, so they put him in episode 11, and they've said that he might be recurring, which to me also means, oh, I had heard that Legend of Tomorrow wasn't up for renewal, that it was expensive, but if they're talking about making him recur and he may appear again, they may be looking at further seasons. Of, of Legends of Tomorrow. So, but you know, we saw probably the most we've seen of it so far. What did you think? I thought that I'm not going to sleep this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's about how I feel. The good news is apparently Lucifer sucks, but that's... <laughs> I read a review of that today and went, okay, I, I'm probably going to be okay not watching Lucifer, but Legends of Tomorrow was like... A, they, those guys sold that so well. Like, well, Arrow was the crime drama, and then we expanded up to the family, and now, you know what? We're just going to be out and out superheroes for Legends of Tomorrow. 
Yeah, they just it was uh, the family drama, and then we're just gonna be crazy. Uh, and I'm just digging the hell out of that. the The idea that they're jumping around in time. Vandal Savage is the perfect uh, villain to be going after in that in that uh, in that scope of yeah. of experience. And um, I like the uh, I, I the hawk the hawk uh, couple have grown on me. Um, yeah, I and geez, uh, we get Rip Hunter. We, uh, I know. Uh, it's like everything about the fact that we've again lived long enough that you know it's like Rip Hunter is the lead character on a television series. It's crazy. You know what? You know the only thing you can make this better. Booster Gold. Uh-uh. And I, I, I'm afraid. I, I think somebody's mentioned he's in something else coming up. Jeez. Metamorpho. No, no, I didn't say he's coming up. I, no, I no, thought in something else. No, he's not in something else at this point. Okay, I'd love I love the thought that because they had done, they went back and they did the the. There was a thing about the rocks coming down to uh, ancient Egypt. That by going by bothering uh, to to establish the Egyptian, I was hoping since Jeff Johns is very heavily involved in this as well, that they would bring and they could still very well bring Metamorpho in. I mean, that would just kill. I would just you know? I would just like to have a a crazy meta. In in the uh, in the group in the crew, just somebody who is just so out there, and, and especially since if I was going to write that, I'd tie that back into the uh, Vandal Savage and Hawkman Hack Girl origin because well, you've got the Egyptian origin. That's but that's what I was saying. No, no, that's I mean I thought they were gonna you were going with the. Or- I'm just saying that's where the staff comes from, and you know, uh, yeah, um, Jeff Johns did establish. That there was a metamorpho in that time period. Really? Oh. Yes, it was in the pages of JSA. So Hawkman and ha- Hawk Girl had no—I can't remember what his name was—but he turned bad. He was influenced by Black Adam. Ah. Uh, so okay. they had that character. That's why I know that they had it. That you know he had he had <laughs> Jeff Johns closes all the plot loopholes that you didn't even think existed. Yeah. And and he tied that all together in JSA, so I, I, I that's why I was expecting that, and I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if he pops up on Supergirl, and we do get that crossover, because if you paid attention to Supergirl, although they dispatched him quickly, they created a version of Red Tornado, and right. they revealed the Martian Manhunter. Right. With so, the Martian Manhunter CG was just really awesome. Oh, it's been terrific! I, you know, I... I I haven't watched this week's episode where they brought the Toy Man in, but um, I'm really looking forward to that. That's a that's still a fun series, and uh, yeah, and the fact that they're bringing in all these other characters from the comics, it's it, it's a good time to be a geek. It's grown. I when it first the first couple episodes, I'm going. They're writing this down. They're writing this down to a lower level, and it's not going to be as complex. But they're building their own mythology, and they're they are. And, I, and I, I love the Cat Grant. Uh, identity crisis business and the way they resolve that was very nice yeah i think people's issue and i i talked to a few people that stopped watching it after the first couple of episodes yeah and i said i I, i've convinced them to give it another shot because what i said was the problem is and it's not a problem for me because i got it was they're playing Kara the way christopher reeve played the clark kent superman dynamic yeah and when you do that clark kent it's uh, it doesn't translate to a, a woman in 2016. 
it it looks like she's she's mousy and it's a parody of what people have think have thought you know girls should be in their place and it, you know that's not what they're trying at all they're trying she's trying on she's tried the identity that Christopher Reeves Clark because that's who it is I mean that's so clear that's who her cousin is it's the movie version it's not uh, or the original movie version it's not right. the t- it's not the Man of Steel version they're not in that universe so uh, although I've said you know they're so it's so obvious that there is no <laughs> they're working so hard to keep Superman out of the picture it's as if they'd already cast Tom Welling in the role so yes. it's just <laughs> the little Doogie Hauser's are you okay Clark text messages are starting to wear thin on me <laughs> uh, they did from the very beginning it's like don't do that which is how the Birds of Prey TV show ended did you ever watch that yeah, I did. Yeah, and, and it ended the, like all of everything that was going on in Gotham City. Batman was watching from a distance, yeah. and just wanted to put the city through hell so that he could make sure his little girl was okay as a crime fighter. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so uh, that's all I got for this week. Uh, I think it's it's enough. We've had a, a great show. So we once again want to thank David Walker for coming on the show, and I do want to give a shout out to his website. You have to be careful to get it right. Uh, if you're interested in David Walker, it's the David Walker site. T h e d a v i d w a l k e r s i t e dot com. Because I have found out that if you uh, type davidwalker.com, you go to a men's fragrance company. Very different website. Very yeah. different website. Yeah. But you can see all the different things that David F. Walker is doing and what's upcoming. And we thank him for taking the time tonight, and on short notice. And we'll have links to all of his books on the show notes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, commentary, criticism, compliments, we love compliments, write in to editor at family. Family, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Write in to editor, because you're all my family. Dysfunctional as heck, but here we are. Uh, Editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers powers only only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to... Use your your powers powers only for good. good. (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. That was lag on top of lag.